This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. Today's episode is the second part of our conversation with Jim Hart. Jim has a long career in physical education and coaching behind him, and recently he has retired from his work as a PE teacher at Cypress Woods Elementary School in Florida. In the past little bit over 10 years, he developed an innovative concept of using stories as a way of structuring physical education over a full school year, resulting in a performance where different skills and music is put together. In the podcast, Jim shares his passion for teaching and coaching, how he developed his innovative new way of thinking about physical education, and what he has found meaningful in his long career working with young people. I hope you enjoy the episode. To start the second part of our conversation, we had like a really nice overview of this work you are doing that you've done over 10 years, picking up a theme, telling a story, or inviting children to be part of the story. We talked about using music and so on. I think I have a little tricky question but where do the stories come from what is your inspiration where where do you find those stories that you think are good stories to tell and what do you think is a good story to tell something that can inspire young people and convey those types of meanings that you would hope to be conveying such a great question wow i i think the answer to that is they come from my eight, nine, 10, 11 year old self going through those years and trying to sort of process, you know, what had happened to me in my life uh, with my father passing and, and then my mother remarried and we have now new bro- uh, stepbrothers and sisters and how that, how do we do all that? And, and how is school a part of all that? And so I was, you know, what I found, uh, Nora, was that there was at school, we see the children that are needy, and it's clear and obvious that they're needy uh, because they have uh, something so obvious. Maybe they're homeless or there's something physically obvious that these children are needy. Maybe they have a handicap or something like that. But past that, you have a whole other threshold of children who at first glance, there's nothing wrong with them. They're fine. They're well-dressed. They're well-fed. They're well-mannered. They pay attention. They do well in school, but there's a vacuum in their life somewhere, and you wouldn't know it. You just wouldn't know it 
just by looking at them. Yet things have happened in their lives. You know, parents are getting divorced. Maybe their parents are fighting. Maybe, you know, something, anything could be something that causes that little vacuum in a child's life. Maybe a a parent passes away, something like that. Well, that happened to me when I was a kid. And so I was a good student. My teachers would never know that there was anything wrong in my life, but there was there wasn't anything I couldn't deal with. And, uh, but I was, there was, I was always looking for something at school. I was always looking for a connection. Uh, I was always looking for, for a connection to my teachers. A few of my teachers, as I was growing up, provided that connection. And they were the kinds of teachers that we remember. You know, they're the ones that, that the kids talk about years afterward. And so as I got older, and try to figure out what I wanted to do. Somewhere along the line, it came to me that I think I want to be the kind of teacher that I was looking for when I was eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. And what was I looking for? You know, and going back and staying connected with that child in me, uh, what were the things that motivated me? And I loved, you know, I loved every child loves movies, let's say you know, like The Wizard of Oz or, you know, a big story that tells something, you know, that goes somewhere, you know. And so I love that. I love sports. I I absolutely threw myself into sports. One of the things that I love about sports is, let's say, in a basketball basketball situation, the basketball rim is always the same distance up from the floor. And no matter where you are, that remains constant. You know, there's, there's certain constants in sports. The, the 100 meter dash is always 100 meters long. That's something you can rely on. You can rely on that straight path and, that, and that's not going to change. I like that. And so sport gives, cause, it, cause a, a child that's looking for something, one thing they're looking for is something that's consistent and reliable that they can count on that's not going to change. And, uh, and so I like that. I like stories. I like being a part of stories. I like movies. I like music. I loved music when I was uh, younger. And I loved coaches and the way coaches would lead teams. I love that whole dynamic uh, of especially, I I love the idea of a team that is a small team that achieves far beyond what is expected of them. And why? Because of something inside, something special about them, you know, like uh, something that pushes that team. You know, Finland has a great history in, for instance, ice hockey and in distance running. Lasse Viren, isn't Lasse Viren a Finn? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. different different people that, you know, achieve like here, here we are, an entire world of people, but we have somebody that can achieve in this world and be the best. You know, and and uh, even though people don't necessarily expect that of us, we still can produce it. I like that, and so finding that that type of a thing. So I I often say to my kids at Cypress Woods, you know, we're I'll say to them, we're just an elementary school. We're just a public elementary school. There are public schools all over the world. Everybody can do what we do. Nobody nobody is is banned from doing what we do, but uh, not too many people do what we do. Not too many people try to do all these things. Not too many people try to have a story that guides them through the entire year. 
not too many people try to put this Broadway production together <laughs> that involves 300 people, you know, yeah. and, and not handpicked people, everybody, you know. One, one of the things that I think is one of the beauties of our, of our routines is that from time to time, kids are off the beat here and there. Because why? Because everybody's involved. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing your your story about how you felt when when you were a child. And I can clearly hear that sport was something that was drawing you and attracting you. But we also know that there are so many children who are not drawn to sports. And these debates about whether physical education should have any elements of sport and whether there should be any competition at all. And certainly in, in many countries, physical education is moving away from that model. Like I was measured in all kinds of sports when I was a, a student in elementary school, but now loads of places move away from that. What is your relation to those sport elements to physical education? Do you think that some of those have a role or, for example, with that competition element, or is it something that is not part of physical education for you at all? I, I don't, it's not part of our physical education anymore, but competition is, but it's reframed as competition with, with your own potential. And it's, you know, we talk about it uh, and everybody understands that, but doing it is, is something you really have to believe in and you really have to be committed to, and you really have to make the kids believe in. Uh, now, one thing that we've done in order to, to turn competition on its head is, We'll do, um, we will do competitions. For example, we have a, a, a thing where, where we have a, a fence on our field and the kids run around the fence and we time them, right? And, and the fastest ones can maybe get it back in 45 seconds and, and maybe the slower ones take maybe a minute and 30, minute, 35, minute, 40 seconds. So, so now what we say to them, we use that fact, okay, And we sit them down and we say, okay, what does this mean? What does it mean that these people can come and do this in 45 seconds and these people cannot? And we get into that. And, and we use a thing, we say everybody can do something, but nobody can do everything. But what everybody can do is do their best at whatever the task is. And so it isn't so much important that you can do it in 45 seconds or that you can do it in a minute and 30 seconds. What's important is... After we practice this for a while, will you improve at it? And so we have competitions that are not based on the time, but are, that are based on the improvement. So you and I, Nora, we'll, I run a minute and 30 seconds. You run 45 seconds. Well, you know, three weeks later, maybe you and I will have a race and I will run a minute 20 and you'll run 44 and you'll clearly be faster, but I'm clearly improved more. And of course, that, that competition is tilted toward the slower ones because they have so much more room to improve. The fastest ones, it's frustrating for them. How can I, how can I possibly <laughs> beat that person in this game? Because, well, the point is, it's not about beating that person in the game. And, and so by having a competition where a person who runs twice as fast as somebody else loses the competition it kind of is a way to show the folly of the competition in the first place it's not real it's not anything that's meaningful the competition isn't real you're you're fast this one is not okay if you want to make it a competition here's how we'll make it a competition we'll we'll have a competition based on improvement and of course that in itself 
will be enough. But then if you if you just leave it there and you call the the minute 30 runner the winner, well everybody knows, wait a minute, that's not that's not really true. That's just something the teacher is saying, but you know that's not true. So you can't just leave it there. You have to go farther. And what I always say is or one of my kind of go-to lessons is there's faster and there's better. And this one is clearly faster. And if the idea is to be the fastest, we all know who the fastest is. This one is. We can see that they're the first one across the line. Better relates to your ability to improve yourself. And so with kids that are improving themselves a great deal, uh, and but then we say better is also, there's another component to better, not just in the numbers, but better is also in the way that you treat yourself and the way that you treat others. So this one here went from 100 or one minute 30 seconds to one minute 25. They improved by five seconds. This one here went from 45 to 44. They only improved by one second. So if we need to make this a competition, then I'll call this one the winner because they improve by five seconds and you only improve by one. But I don't want to make it a competition. What I want to do is make all of us get better. And the way we get better is by improving and by the way we encourage one another and by the way we treat one another. That's what makes it better. So if your goal, this is me talking to the kids now, if your goal is to be faster, okay, you can be faster. This is what you need to do to be faster. You need to train this, that, the other. But if your goal is to be better, this is what you need to do. So you decide what's important to you. Is it faster or better important? And then, you know, it's not just one lesson. It's an ongoing way of thinking. And then it gets into, is fast important? Sure it is. It's especially important if the idea is, you know, to run away from something or whatever. Fast is important, but it isn't the most important thing. Is trying hard important? Yes, and it's universally important. It's important in everything. It's universally important. Being fast is not universally important. Yeah, for modern life, yeah. That's but not... getting better, <laughs> but trying hard is universally important. Mm -hmm. I think that very clearly tells about your approach and, and how you work with the children. To go back to those fascinating stories, so from this narrative theory perspective, which is something that I have used in my work and that just gives us such a clear framework to think about that our identity and the way we find meaning is bound to those stories, the stories that we tell, the stories we can access, the stories that inspire us and help us to think about future, who we are and who we can become. And our culture is always providing us these different stories. And certainly in your work, you have thought about these stories and what is the story that you want to be using as a foundation for the work that you will do in the next year with your students. And for me, that was the really the hook to that meaningful sport project. And, and when I heard about your work and that storied approach, that was like an instant click for me that, yeah, we should not just think of, you know, learning different skills, but developing stories and, and giving young people resources to think about physical education and movement through those stories. So maybe just because it was like your last year, working at, at the school with the students and you had this wonderful closing performance some weeks ago. Maybe you can just 
in that practical, concrete sense, maybe just share a little bit about what was the storyline that you worked with last year and maybe just a few experiences from this last year working with that story. Yes. Well, the the 20th kid theme, it's a theme about uh, being, uh, un- uh, being your own person. So the idea was 19 people out of 20 might think this one way, but the 20th person might think a different way or might not, but don't be afraid to be the 20th person. So this was the idea in the first part of being, of the 20th kid. Don't be afraid to be the 20th kid. Don't be afraid to, you know, and then we would tell, uh, like, um, uh, you know, uh, we would use examples of, for example, one of the things I like to do in my teaching is I like to get into the finer details of something. I'll often say to the kids, um, 19 people out of 20 won't even notice this little thing, but the 20th person will notice it. And the 20th person really knows what they're looking at. And so something like that, I'll say, I'll say this to the kids from time to time. And so what I said to the kids, the introduction of the 20th kid theme was the 20th person was once a kid and to become the 20th person what did they do as a kid to become that 20th person that would notice that little detail? What things did they do? Let's use the year to explore that. Let's use the year to understand how the 20th person becomes the 20th person. Therefore, let's create the 20th kid. That was the sort of the rollout. Well, then COVID uh, came along and, uh, Actually, it didn't come along then. COVID came along in the middle of last, the previous year, which was, it's not just the bricks, it's the mortar. But I'd already been thinking about the 20th kid theme. And so when the COVID hit, I thought this is, this 20th kid is going to be a perfect theme for this because, you know, one of the things I picked up on out there in the culture and in the, in the news media, et cetera, was a negativity about the year 2020. And we all have encountered, oh, 2020 was, oh, what a terrible year. We got to get past, you know, this year and until the next year, 2021. And, and it just isn't logical. What, why is a year so negative? It doesn't make sense. Yes, negative things are happening in 2020. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, negative things have happened before and, and they weren't because of the year. World War II didn't happen because of the year it happened in. It happened for other reasons. You know, the uh, Spanish flu epidemic or whatever, 1918 flu, didn't happen because of the year 1918, you know? So that, that just didn't make sense. So I, I thought to myself, I would think the 20th kid theme was going to be perfect because everybody's falling into this whole idea of 2020 being so negative. But why? Why is that? You know, I I then became, as you know, the online PE teacher. And so suddenly here to as a way to get in touch with my kids, I've decided to open a YouTube channel, something I never thought I would do. And I've decided to do these interviews and I discovered you. I probably wouldn't have discovered you if this all, if I wasn't looking for things for my online PE curriculum. So if you're going to say to me that 2020 is terrible because I discovered Nora, okay, that doesn't make sense. That that 2020 is not terrible. Some terrible things happened in 2020, but also some great things happened. And it's all in how you look at it. So uh, what I said to the kids was I, I positioned it as 
it, it's all it's all in how you look at it. You can be the twentieth kid and say, you know, we did things we've never done before in school. And as you know, you know, because you were part of it, that uh, episode that you joined us with at our school when you came live into our PE class, you also know that we had Dr. Kenny was in there from Oregon and Rebecca Johnston from Australia and you all in one place at one time in the year. And well, by that time it had become 2021, but you know, this is, this is a miracle that's happened and it would never have happened if, well, it probably would have happened anyway. That in itself wasn't related to, to COVID. However, uh, what is related to COVID was, um, us having to really get more into online PE and to use online assets. So I guess in a way it is related because I probably would have gone in a different direction with the kids. I certainly wouldn't have thought of rolling a smart board out onto the court and pulling in people from three different countries to a PE. I wouldn't have thought of that if it wasn't for. So what I was doing or what I said to the kids is this is what you have to do. You have to take what the crowd is thinking isn't necessarily right. It might be. The 20th kid has another side to it. Rolf Steyer actually said the beauty of the 20th kid theme is it, it could also be that the 19 people are right and there's only one person that doesn't get it and the 19 can help the one. So the 20th kid can be in reverse as well. But this 20th kid idea is the idea of of taking everything that happens and thinking, you know, well, what would the 20th kid think about that? How would the 20th kid approach that? Uh, 19 people say this, are they right? Are they, it, it's about conventional wisdom and, and really questioning conventional wisdom really is what the 20th kid theme's about. So the songs that we selected, as you know, what they are, and that'll be the day. Well, it started with the, the ACDC song Thunder, uh, Thunderstruck, which, you know, is what happened to the kids. If you, if you remember the uh, performance, the performance begins with all of the kids laying on the court. That is symbolic of one night in uh, the year 2019, actually, they all went to bed and the next day they woke up to a different world. Uh, a world in which their school now was shut down and a world that they had to now adjust to. And so that's why they all start laying down because they lay down and then thunder struck. Like, you know, this thing hit like, and then the next song is thunder, of course. So that goes along with the theme of, of uh, the virus striking. And then the next song, as you know, is That'll Be the Day with the old Buddy Holly song from the 1950s. But that's a song about defiance in the face of this COVID. That'll be the day when we let this change who we are and we let this get in the way of us having fun and getting better etc etc so that was the point of that song and then the next song is up around the bend creedence clearwater revival song and that that is a song about okay this is what's happened these are what the 19 people are saying about it but if the 20th person would just go look up around the bend instead of just stand here with these other 19 people and fret and wring their hands about how bad everything is, they might find something different. Just just because this has happened doesn't mean anything bad has happened. And just because 19 people are wringing their hands doesn't mean the 20th person has to. 
And so Up Around the Bend, and then the next song is Dance to the Music. And in the lyrics of the song Up Around the Bend, the, the song is about a person who is going to a place where excitement is happening. If you, if you, this is where we delve into the lyrics of the songs with the kids. We go into the lyrics with the kids. We print them out and we hand them out to the kids and, and have them look at the lyrics and think and talk them through so they understand how that song helps tell the story. And so in that song, Up Around the Bend, there's a place up ahead and I'm going just as fattest as my feet can fly. And if you read the lyrics of that song, it's about searching for something. And then the next song is Dance to the Music. And uh, that's, of course, you know what, in the song Up Around the Bend, they're going to a place where there's a party is what really is happening. And, and so Dance to the Music is what happens when you don't stand there and wring your hands. You can stand there and wring your hands and say how bad things are, or you can go looking up around the bend and you might find a party. And that's what you should do. You might not, but you might. But you're not going to find one standing there doing nothing. And uh, so then Dance to the Music, which is a beautiful song. Oh, I skipped one. Tom Sawyer was uh, the song before That'll Be the Day. Tom Sawyer was the modern day warrior. If you look at the lyrics of Tom Sawyer, that's when we have the martial arts exhibition in our 20th kid theme. This is our symbol of uh, defiance. Tom Sawyer, the modern day warrior. He's going to fight through all this, right? Mm. So and there you have a, have a few students or how many students did you have then in, in, in the martial arts section? Yeah, We had one and uh, in that section, because again, we had one boy that was good at it. So one thing we like to do is we like to work our kids into our story. So what came first was not, oh, we need a martial arts kid. Let's hope we have one. That's not what came first. What came first is, okay, what are our kids good at? Well, this boy uh, is um, is great at martial arts. We've got to find a place for him in our th- in our story because he's good at it and he's, and he's special at it. And so, as it so happens, the place for him worked out to be in Tom Sawyer, the song about the modern day warrior, mean mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean mean pride, and. Uh, Though his mind is not for rent, don't put him down as arrogant. His reserve a quiet defense, riding through the day's events. And uh, so he, we thought, this is perfect. This is the perfect place for him to be the modern-day warrior because this is a modern-day problem, this COVID. This isn't something kids have never dealt with this before, in, uh, or at least haven't in the past hundred years, where they couldn't go to school because of a virus. And uh, so this is a modern day problem, which requires a modern day warrior. So that's why that song is there. And that's why he, that's the place we put him to give that fighting spirit. We're not going to stand here and feel sorry for ourselves. And so then following that comes That'll be the day. That'll be the day when we stand here and feel sorry for ourselves. We're not going to do that. Wonderful. That's lovely. And I'll certainly link these things that you've done so people can just see them for themselves. And I mean, this was your last year at the school. So I'm curious whether this will continue. Are the other teachers going to keep doing that next year? Or what is the future? I don't know that. Uh, They may. But uh, one thing that they said was, uh, or that, that uh, you know, the kids all asked that question. 
and the other teachers, this is really not their thing. It's not that they're not supportive of it. They're very supportive. They're just very supportive and they're great, the other teachers. But it's just not, you know, this is sort of a thing that came from inside me. So they asked, Coach, would you be willing to come back and volunteer and do this in the future? And I, and I am willing to do that. However, the rules of retirement for our school system is that once you retire, you have to stay away from the school for a year. I don't really know why that's the case, (laughs) but it is. And so if I did come back, it wouldn't be next year. It would be the following year. Yeah, but I think that also tells that, you know, you also do with that work with your personality and different teachers have a different type of way of doing things that resonates with them. And so... yes. I just think from that story perspective, the way that you have worked is also expanding that bank of stories about what are the different ways of doing physical education. And I think that is just a wonderful resource. And I've immensely enjoyed this conversation. And just like I mentioned already, there are so many resources, like you have your YouTube channel and all the other things that the listeners can go and take a look at that. But so there's a lot to reflect on and this transition that you're now experiencing. I guess that also triggers thinking of what is that value and the legacy of of the work that you've done. Correct me if I'm wrong, that is my assumption. And maybe you can just reflect a little bit on what are the things that you really worked towards as a teacher, the things that were meaningful for you and and what are the things that you hope will live on in terms of how the culture of doing physical education will develop in the future? Thank you for that. My relationships uh, with former students, former players, former colleagues, this is what is going to be the next part of my life is is rekindling those relationships. You know, I've been busy. We're all busy. You know, we're all busy with our work. And we're probably every person can relate to this idea that you've got people that you wish you had more time to talk to, but you just don't because life is busy. And I've had lots of people that I've worked with that I've stayed in touch with through the years. And I, that, you know, that have gone on to careers, especially careers in teaching and coaching, but other careers also. And I intend to reconnect with all of these folks. Now, they may not want to reconnect with me. I don't know. But I intend to follow those connections because I I believe in this idea that education is, a, is an ongoing story and uh, not a series of individual lessons. And uh, the, there are, in, an individual lesson is certainly a part of the, of the thing, but it is I think it's much deeper than that. It's much more. It's not even about education. It's just about life. It's an ongoing narrative. It's an ongoing story. And you and I, as we sit here talking this morning, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But one thing we do know is we know each other. You and I know each other. And we can share ways of thinking about life and things. And, you know, and that's solid. That's something that will be there no matter what happens tomorrow. And uh, I like that. I love that, actually. 
And I believe in that. What gets people through hard times, and going back to that eight-year-old boy who lost his father, what gets people through hard times is those connections. And uh, you know, there were people in my life, really important individuals that came into my life, some from within my family, some from within teaching, that really made a difference for me. And uh, then I went into teaching to become one of those persons. And then, you know what, Nora, I've gotten some phone calls uh, out of the blue from random previous students that if you would have asked me to make a list of the top 10 students you think might call you one day, you think of the kids that you connect with, right? But these are not kids that would have made that list. These are quiet kids that I certainly had good relationships with, but I didn't I wouldn't have put them on that list. But, you know, I've got a call from a, from a guy who said, listen, I've got two boys and I'm raising them. And I find myself saying things you used to say to us. And I just wanted you to know how important that was to me and how important it is to me today. So I love that. That's, you know, that's something that can't be broken by a virus or anything. So I want to continue the next part of that, whatever that is, because that whole thing of... An, an eight-year-old boy who lost his father, that isn't confined to the world of education and the world of schools and the world of PE. That's a bigger idea, and it can be pursued in other venues. And I just know that it's important. It was important for me, and, and if it was important for me, then it would be important for somebody out there, somebody else. And so as long as I'm uh, alive, I have a great family. I have th three kids. Uh, they have kids. Some of them have kids of their own. They're awesome people. And they're in their, my, my wife is just amazing. She's taught me more about teaching than probably anything I've ever learned anywhere. And I just want to follow their lives and help be a part of their lives and, you know, see where it leads you know, but, um, so that's what I'm, I'm really excited actually about it. I've got a whole list of things here that I'm probably never going to get to, but at least I've got that list, right? The list isn't a blank piece of paper and I'm not waking up each day saying, what the heck am I going to do today? That's not happening. Yeah. And I mean, when you said about hearing from these, they are now grown ups, but who used to be your students back in the day, and, and they would be sharing some of the things that you've said now to their own children. That certainly shows that the work that you've done is something that is living on and it continues to make a difference in people's lives. And how I started this conversation by saying that I see the, the work that you've done as being something very unique and linking so, so much to these things concerning when we're trying to understand what kind of value and meaning people can find from physical education, sports, physical activity, all sorts of movement. I'm most certain that the work that you've done will certainly live on and continue to inspire physical education teachers and and others who are working in these areas. Thank you so much. And and I'm I'm most appreciative of you uh, giving me this opportunity to talk about this with you. This meaningful sport. Where did you come up with this, Nora? Where did this come to you? I'm curious about that. Yeah, I mean, those themes are something that I've written about for many years as part of my doctoral studies and then the research work after that. For me to then start to do this podcasting was as well that 
I also wanted to connect with more people and discuss these ideas and learn more from people who have done this work for many years, both researchers and practitioners as well. So for me, this has really been a great opportunity to learn more and also to share this desire to understand this. There have been so many great guests who have inspired me. Discussing with you and seeing this practical work that you've done has certainly inspired me. And just glad to hear all this feedback from the listeners as well, who've said that this is something that maybe made them think about sport in a different way and maybe inspired them to do some things differently or or think differently. So really, that's the best feedback I could get from for this podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I would encourage, I would encourage anybody to be, you know, not, I think, I think young teachers, and I know I did when I was at the beginning of my career, you have a vision for how you're supposed to behave as a teacher and how you're supposed to, you know, how you're supposed to act. But when you do that, you're stepping away from yourself and you're stepping into this, whatever mannequin that you know, that you think is supposed to be a teacher. I just, it took me a long time. I, this person, Pat Logan, I learned so much from. He is the first one that really taught me to be self-deprecating. Teachers uh, are always fighting for control and you don't need to have control. If you're fighting for control of the class, you're setting up a paradigm where there's a winner and a loser and you know, it's a competition between you and the kids who's the boss and it's, it's, it doesn't work and it's not going to be lead to a happy end. Even if you win and you now quote, have control unquote. Okay. So what do you now have prisoners? What do you have now? You know, and it takes, but it takes a while for young teachers to have the confidence enough to let go of that, of that battle for control. But when that happens, it took me about 10 years. When that moment comes where you're not fighting for control, you're, you're confident in yourself and that you're confident that the systems that are set up within the school will help you if there is a kid that is challenging your control. So don't worry about it. Just be yourself. Have fun. Remember what happened in school when you were a kid that you liked when that happened and you were motivated just and replicate that but from from within your own personality let you let your personality come through boy that's that's it mm. that's that's what it is i think those are wonderful words of reflection for the end and certainly something valuable for think about for for all of the teachers coming through and and developing their thinking around this this work so thank you so much jim for the conversation i enjoyed it so much thank you so much i really appreciate you having me here thanks for joining us this week on physical activity research podcast if you like the show make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on twitter This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. 
We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.